Welcome to Twitter Travels for Pete, Next Steps Edition, where I interview former Pete for America staffers about what's next for them and what's next for us as supporters of Democrats. Welcome back, everyone, to Twitter Travels for Pete, Next Steps Edition. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Mike Schmuel, former campaign manager for the Pete Buttigieg 2020 presidential primary campaign and the current chair of the Indiana Democratic Party. Welcome, hey, Mike. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm so, so excited to talk Same to you today. Here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. And, and we met just very briefly, and I don't know if you remember this, during the campaign when you did, uh, coincidentally, a live recording. Well, this is not a live recording, but you did a podcast interview, at, which was a live recording event uh, for the Good Guy Pete po podcast in South Bend. And there was a huge crowd there for it, and it was so much fun. You were like, I don't know if you noticed that the audience was super, super revved up. I think like before, see, uh, Michael Yoder I had us like practice yeah. being like an engaged audience. So by the time um, you got there, it was we were out kind of out of control. <laughs> and I could actually hear myself in that recording. I can hear my laugh. Oh, wow. So. <laughs> I remember it well. Yeah. And I remember meeting you. And uh, it was at our little um, basically our South Bend office, our field office, where we had events oh, and sold merch and all of that. It was great. It was a great night. Oh, Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, that's really important. That that was a magical place. <laughs> Definitely a magical place. Yeah. And then it was fun writing about that night in my book, Traveling the Trail yeah. for Pete. I think it's called, that chapter is the Good Guy <laughs> Pete live recording. It's, uh, it's obvious. But of course, I had to introduce myself to you after the event. And because I really wanted the campaign to know that I had this podcast. And I don't know, I, it kind of seemed like you might have known I about had, it already. I had definitely but. heard about it, for sure. People were telling me about it. And um, yeah, I, I definitely remember. Oh, well, at that point, uh, I think only two episodes yeah. were out. But the, the second one was the big one that was from the Liberty and Justice oh, right. Center, the LJ. For sure. So and I actually got sound from inside, you know, from from the audience perspective. And that's what people, if they're just watching, you know, Pete's rock star entrance, which is like I will always think of as a rock star <laughs> entrance with the... It's not smoke. I don't know what they use. Right? I know. It's like he's coming out of the mist. Um, anyway, so you hear that sound from wherever the media was recording down there, but to be in the crowd was just oh, crazy. Oh, so cool. Just, yeah. So I was so happy that I could get that's that. That's great. Well, anyway, so back to the Good Guy Pete podcast. Not everybody got to hear that. Um, I believe it's still up. I don't know. I should double check with that. But... Uh, let's go back to a question you answered on the Good Guy Pete yeah. podcast. So you and you and Pete have known each other for many years. Uh, so how did you first meet? Yeah, it's it's an incredible story. So we actually met. Um, let me do the math here. About twenty five years ago. So I was an eighth grader and I went to uh, a prospective high school for a tour and Pete was my tour guide. So Pete was a freshman. Uh, this is St. Joe High School in South Bend. And I showed up for, for a tour and it was basically a one-on-one -on -one, uh, session with <laughs> a current student. And the current student that I was paired up with was Pete. 
And so he showed me around um, what, you know, I ultimately did go to that high school. And so he showed me around and I think I shadowed him for a few classes during the day. And that's when I, I first met him, which is pretty remarkable. Our fathers knew each other. Um, my dad and his dad both taught at uh, Notre Dame for a number of years. And so they knew each other even before uh, Pete and I were born. And so that's when we first met. Oh, I yeah, love that. That's when we first met. Mm. Um, and then obviously knew each other in high school and then stayed in touch over the years before uh, we both got involved in, in politics back in Indiana. Yeah. Well, then you, uh, when he became mayor, you joined him as chief of staff, correct? That's right. And were you so the first I, um, chief of staff? So we actually, I had, I was working in 2010 for our congressman at the time, Joe Donnelly, and he was running for re-election to U.S. Congress, and Pete was running for state treasurer. So Pete was running statewide. I was working for our local congressman, so we would see each other on the campaign trail uh, back then. So that was 12 years ago. Um, and in the aftermath of 2010, you know, the congressman won, Pete lost, <laughs> and uh, Pete was uh, thinking about running for mayor. And so he asked if I would run his campaign for mayor. In Indiana, our municipal races are, are not in the same year as federal races. And so uh, 2011, yeah, 2011 is when he, he decided to run for mayor. So he asked me to run his campaign. So I did that. And then in the aftermath of the campaign, um, after after November, he asked if I would come into um, City Hall and, and be his chief of staff. And I said, yes. Yeah, that, that wasn't a no-brainer. Oh, I, lo- <laughs> I love hearing that. Oh, and um, when I talked to Laura O'Sullivan, she said that you guys are like the bookends. She was the last chief of staff and you were the first one. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Exactly right. I was the first. She was the last. And now Laura is um, she's working with me. And in, in, in some respects, she's our second district chairwoman here in northern Indiana. So she's on uh, the state central committee of the Democratic Party with me. It's great. I love how you're all you're all you've always been involved. You're staying involved and you're doing the good work. Fantastic. Yeah, well, sure. You had the background for all that. You start, You talked about uh, how you were working on that congressional campaign, but I just wanted to make sure I was gonna, uh, going to mention your bio right away uh, from the beginning. A lot of people don't know. I'd like to read a little bit from your the bio that's on the Indiana Democrats website, if you don't mind. A native of South Bend, Mike has worked on campaigns for former U.S. Senator Joe Donnelly in 2010, State Senator Shelley Yoder, 2016, and businessman Mel Hall, 2018. He served as Buttigieg's first chief of staff in South Bend after running his campaign for mayor in 2011. Shmuel was the elected, oh, um, there's a typo on your website, it was then elected the <laughs> second <laughs> the second congressional district Democratic chairman from 2011 to 2013, becoming the youngest member of the state central committee at the time with full voting rights. Previously, Mike was vice president at the Democratic consulting firm 270 Strategies in Chicago, where he advised nonprofits, issue-based causes, and labor unions. 
Before working in politics, he worked in the newsroom of the Washington Post as a producer and booker for broadcast outlets. He also interned for the late Tim Russert at NBC News Meets the Press. Wow. Mike received a BA in history from the University of Notre Dame and an MA in international affairs from Sciences Po in Paris, France. Wow. Okay. So I think you're qualified. (laughs) (laughs) And you're just, you keep adding to that in your bio. And uh, so now we know you're a year younger than Pete. So you're, you're still so young enough to to continue to make huge differences <laughs> right for yeah. democrats for the cause Absolutely. oh my gosh all right so um how did you now let's get to the campaign uh sure. the pete uh, i think we're talking mostly to team pete here and they're going to be interested to know about all these uh, campaign um the aspects so talk yeah. about how you came on board uh, Pete's campaign. I suppose that you were the campaign manager for his mayoral um, campaign. Yep. It was sort of a no-brainer, or anything that you would like to say about what was it like? Um, you know how it started. Yeah. So uh, it, this would have been back in um, you know sort of late 2018. Um, Pete asked me to uh, work on his political action committee, and back then the political action committee was called Hitting Home. Uh, now his political action committee, well, political action committee since uh, the presidential race is called Win the Era. Um, but he asked me to work on hitting home with him. Uh, that's actually when, uh, well, I guess a little bit before when I met Liz Smith. Um, and so we were working um, with the mayor. We were working with Pete. And after the 2018 midterm elections, uh, Pete really was sort of had kind of made the decision and and was going to put the pieces together to uh, have an exploratory committee to run for to run for president. And so he he asked me to move back to our hometown uh, to South Bend. And so I did that at the tail end of, of 2018. And then um, really a, a couple of months later, we launched our exploratory committee for president. And so um, that was, I believe, in in January. Uh, we released that video online saying that he was going to do this. Here's a little bit of, of who he was. We had a press conference in Washington, D.C. Um, and so that is how um, how I, I sort of joined the campaign. And back then, Sue, it really wasn't a campaign. It was uh, really just sort of a, a hodgepodge of helpers, volunteers, some staffers, but we weren't getting paid. It was all sort of, um, you know, strung together. Um, we, we were just trying to figure out all the puzzle pieces and it was really cold. <laughs> it was the winter. January um, and dark. In South Bend, exactly. <laughs> and so um, we were trying to, to navigate it all. Pete had a book coming out in, you know, a few weeks. And so those were all the, the pieces that were at work um, back then and in late 2018 and early 2019. Yeah, because we tend to think about it with the hindsight of knowing how how things, you know, progressed from there. But at the at the moment, it was truly exploratory. Yeah, absolutely. And and we were pretty upfront with folks. We were um, Pete was going to have the exploratory committee in January. His book tour was in February. Um, And back then, uh, the DNC had serious thresholds for uh, 
you know, making the debate stage and, and becoming a kind of top tier candidate, you had to have a certain number of donors uh, from a certain number of places. And Pete was the mayor of South Bend. And that wasn't exactly a perch that <laughs> a lot of people would assume that, that somebody would run for president. And so, you know, we didn't have, you know, huge lists of donors, big email list, um, you know, national name recognition, all of that stuff. And so we really had to, to build it. Um, we had to build it organically. And Pete's been upfront with folks over this, over the last few years, as have I, that if, if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. And it was an exploratory committee and you would just kind of close up shop and, and move on. But that's not, that's not what happened. Right. Well, you know, uh, well, no, it was after that March CNN town hall where interest in Pete skyrocketed. So what was it like from your perspective building the rocket ship as it was taking off? Yeah, that was that was really the turning point. Um, March 10th, um, 2019. It's an easy, easy date to remember. Um, it was South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Um, there were a handful of us down there for, for that. Um, in each, there were three candidates that night who got an hour of national TV. I believe it was, um, John Delaney, Congressman, uh, from Maryland, Tulsi Gabbard, Congresswoman from Hawaii and Pete. Um, and I think we were the last ones up and I'll never forget a CNN producer came up to me and came up to the, the team you know, backstage while Pete was, was out there on the stage. And it was just sort of a flat line for a couple of hours. And then when Pete was on, um, engaging with the audience, uh, the, the line just really peaked up sharply and just showed the kind of online engagement that they were seeing from, from his performance. And it was just, um, amazing. I think after that, we really realized that, um, we had kind of captured lightning in a bottle. So from there, Donations started to flow in, um, interest started to flow in, um, a lot more media attention, uh, a lot more interview requests. Um, you know, we had a pretty, uh, you know, we were a pretty small shop back then, and we just were getting flooded with uh, resumes, interest, uh, outreach, all of that um, back in South Bend. And so um, really sort of felt like we had gone into a totally different gear um, and that it was really real for the first time uh, in a few months. Like this guy has a chance. Yeah, 100%. And I think a lot of people woke up, um, you know, the, the, the day after that and, and the days that followed and started to, to Google, uh, who is this guy? Who is the mayor of South Bend? Who is Pete Buttigieg? Who's Mayor Pete? <laughs> um, and visiting our, our site, visiting online, learning more about him, um, and, and it really, really took off from there. Yes, I'll say so. And, you know, there were extremely energized supporters uh, at that time. And that just kept growing and growing. And, of course, Pete still has uh, these energized supporters. Yeah. Uh, and Team Pete. But from your perspective uh, as campaign manager, noticing all this, this, this groundswelling of support for people who wanted to volunteer, um, perhaps that wasn't a surprise or a, a delightful surprise, but did you ever wonder what are we going to do with all this energy and all these like uh, <laughs> these volunteers? How do we take them in? Like the onboarding, right? You're yeah. just, maybe were, maybe you weren't prepared for that or, or weren't expecting that is the what I should say. Well, I would say it was um, 
it was, and it still is remarkable that I, you know, I look back at that time. And even, even now, you know, I know Team Pete is still very strong, very vocal, and they're out there supporting, um, you know, not, not just Pete, but um, the Biden agenda and what, what Democrats are getting done in Congress. Um, it, it was really heartening because so much of our politics can be negative and frustrating and um, really kind of angry and, and violent. And I think that we're, we're seeing that uh, more and more, um, even over the last few few months and years. Um, but the really special thing about Team Pete during the campaign and after is that it's um, mostly positive and mostly reinforcing and um, brings more joy and, um, you know, sort of fun to politics. And at, at the end of the day, I think the vast majority of Americans <laughs> would, would rather have more joy and, and fun uh, in their days than, you know, kind of this just intense negativity um, uh, that we seem to get every day through the media. And so um, it's really been special to see just how, how, again, positive it is, reinforcing it is. Well, I think all of that positivity well, it came from the top, from, you know, down from Pete. You know, he's such a positive person and he shows joy. And that makes me think of the rules of the road. I know that, that I was like so impressed when as a volunteer, I, I received that notice, you know, that, you know, please sign on to these. We want, you know, you to observe the rules of the road. Um, so I think having that as something that sort of united us, that guided us, um, perhaps that's a, a, another way that you knew we were going to be uh, positive. We could be trusted. You know, everybody's following the, the same rules of the road. Yeah. So talk about the importance of the rules of the road from your perspective as a campaign manager. Yeah, I think it. I think that they were essential. Pete, really early on in the campaign, like during the exploratory effort and and afterward, we were we were bringing on a lot more people. We were growing very quickly, and um, you know it's very Pete to to do something like this at the beginning of a big project or a big endeavor to kind of talk about. Uh, values, principles, something that can keep people together uh, when things are getting, you know, things are uncertain, things are getting tough. And so, um, you know, he crafted the rules of the road and it was, you know, mostly him with, with some input from from some of us, but mostly him kind of putting that together, saying that, you know, as we hire more people, these are the principles and values that we're going to have. Um, this is also what we want to project to uh, supporters, Um opponents, <laughs> uh, the media, <laughs> yes. um, people that are watching, um, you know, potential supporters that this, these are the values of our campaign. Um, and so I think it was really great. Like we, um, it really became kind of the ethos, the creed of Pete for America. And when we would hire folks, it was something that we talked about when we brought them on the campaign team, um, that these were, this is how we were going to kind of conduct ourselves every day. Again, as I said in the last question, at a time when politics is so kind of, um, you know, can be negative, kind of like a knife fight, race to the bottom. <laughs> we wanted to be above that. Oh, yes. And that, as I said before, that that really impressed me. I've never seen any, you know, candidate, you know, ask me to follow the rules of the road. And that's naturally the way I behave. But it's good to know that everybody else is also. Um from that perspective. Yeah. And then I don't know how much it, it extended to other candidates, but um, 
just by Pete and his behavior and how he didn't didn't go negative, and that must have been noticed by other the other campaigns. Yeah, no, I think it was but, absolutely. But but then he got to be a real threat, so things kind of changed. <laughs> <laughs> as as happens, like like as he says in his book, and somebody advised him early on when he was running for, I think it was mayor, that well, you know, if you see a negative ad about you, that means you're doing well. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> So you're like, yay! <laughs> well, I'd love to, to sit here and talk about the campaign all day, but we want to make sure we have time to get to uh, what you're doing now in Indiana. So we let's wrap up this. And of course, uh, when Pete suspended his campaign, uh, March first was a very sh- um, sad day for supporters, and it was a shock to many of us, but perhaps not so much for you. And I'm thinking, you know, you had a certain understanding with Pete and other senior staffers about how things would or wouldn't play out. And of course, I'm not going to ask you to divulge that, but I, I would say it's fair to assume that. You know, you weren't quite as shocked as I was. You you, you might have had a little more advanced notice <laughs> than I did. Uh, but but that being said, it doesn't mean it was easier, right? So <laughs> that must have been been hard. Um, talk about the end of the campaign and how you personally uh, got closure, because you know that's just the nature of it. Can like you're not going to telegraph to your opponents, like yeah, you know we're kind of thinking of dropping out, like maybe next week, you know, right? Yeah. So you know it's always going to feel sudden. Yeah. Right. And su- suppose you're used to that. But and then COVID hit. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So it's like, wow. I'm just curious. I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about the the ending of the campaign and and getting closure and moving on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was definitely a weird time, almost surreal in, in many ways. Uh, and out of the gate, you know, the first four states we did. um you know, we did very, we did very well, but we also did sort of first in Iowa, second in New Hampshire, third in Nevada, fourth in South Carolina. And then obviously, um, you know, Pete made the decision to, to drop out and get behind Joe Biden. Um, and yeah, it was definitely a surreal time and you mentioned it Sue, but you know, about seven, eight days later, 10 days later was the start of COVID um, in the United States. And so we dropped out on March 1st, endorsed Biden March 2nd. Super Tuesday was March 3rd. And then, you know, later that month was COVID. So it was very, very weird. We went from, you know, 600 staff around the country, about 180 staff here in South Bend in our headquarters. Um, to an empty office, an empty headquarters, which was two full floors of a big office building in South Bend. Um, and I remember later in March, I believe it was, um, going through the office uh, by myself, which was, um, you know, just totally surreal because back then it was masks and gloves and you weren't really sure how serious this was. And there were shelter in place orders and all that, right? Um and I walked into a campaign office that was completely uh, desolate and nobody was there. Just, um, you know, stacked computers and chairs and um, equipment and, and different things like that. So that was very, very surreal to go from, uh, you know, hire, having a big team traveling around the country to, to nothing. Um, and so it did take a little bit of time. Um, you know, I definitely took some time. Uh, you know, time for myself um, to, you know, hang out with loved ones and, and family and friends and, and do all that virtually and 
and to get in the rhythm of, of, of COVID and all of that. Um, and it did take some time because you go through something very, very intense um, that not many people, you know, truly understand or, or get to experience in their lifetimes. Uh, and it's definitely a blessing and very fortunate that I've been able to, to experience that and to participate in that. Um, but it did take time, you know, I'm not going to hide that at all. It took time to, um, you know, think about it, took time to have good conversations with people, um, took time to, uh, (laughs) you know, this might be the topic of our next few questions, get back involved in politics, right. (laughs) To go from, uh, you know, a big national campaign to, to now leading the party here in, in my home state. So it took time, but, um, um, but here we are. Because if COVID hadn't uh, come on the scene, then there would have been, I mean, I think Pete was planning some kind of like a thank you tour, right? I mean, that, and also we felt this as supporters too, like the Minnesota group, all of a sudden we weren't seeing each other anymore. We couldn't yeah. get together. So if, if, if COVID hadn't happened, we would have had, you know, a huge, you know, party of, you know, of like a celebration, a job well done. Yeah. And then going on to supporting Biden, you know, more of in a, you know, in-person way. Yeah. But I, I think Pete's legacy from the primary run is that there are, you know, one of them who has uh, legacies is that there are now many more of us engaged in the political process because he really attracted a lot of first timers. Yeah. A lot of people because of that, you know, his, the rules of the road and the decency and like, wow, this is what politics can be like. Right. It can it can be a positive and. So, yeah, a lot more of us are, in, are engaged than before, and um, this happens from the ground up. You know, a lot of people have actually run for office or involved from the, from the ground up. And so you are now the chair of the Indiana Democratic Party, yeah. which I think you became, that's over, it's been over a year now, right? When did you? Yep, I became chair last March, so about a year and a half, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, yeah, you're just like, you know, it's so easy for you now that you've been doing it so long, a long time, right? <laughs> no. Okay. So uh, Indiana's a red state? Or are you going to be a purple state? Maybe you're trying to make it a purple well, state. Well, we, we're interesting. Our history is definitely more balanced. And, you know, Destiny Wells, who I can talk about here in a little bit, she is our candidate for secretary of state. She's got a great line, which is Indiana is a purple state with a turnout problem. Um, yeah, which I think is is really good. You know, Barack Obama won Indiana in two thousand and eight, which is remarkable. Um, and then, you know, it's been a mixed bag since then. And Trump has has done well here in sixteen and twenty. But um, mm-hmm. I'm excited about some of the projects that we're working on. Absolutely, yeah. Well, what's your role as chair? Oh boy, just it bringing is. it bringing it all together. Yeah, it's an interesting job. That is for sure. So. Um, so I am the I'm the chair of the party, and I'd say in a nutshell, I um, you know with the state central committee, um, which is about forty folks uh, from different parts of the state. Uh, my vice chair is Myla Eldridge. She's the Marion County clerk. Marion County is where Indianapolis is. So we all work together um, on building up our party, and so we help county parties with. Um, resources. We oversee kind of like the voter file and voter information. Um, We do voter protection. We recruit candidates 
uh, for office. We do uh, lots of media. So we talk about the Democratic Party, you know, wins and successes, policy issues. Um, we uh, fill the ballot. So every um, couple of years we have a convention uh, where we fill statewide offices uh, and then send people to obviously the national convention as well. Um, and through this position, I'm part of the DNC, so the Democratic National Committee, the the larger body for for our our party. Um, golly, we uh, you know attack Republicans, hold them accountable, make sure people know uh, their records, uh, raise money for the party. So um, do lots of fundraising online, uh, offline, over the phone. <laughs> Um, so it is a lot. It really is kind of, um, you kind of have to be a jack of all trades and every day is definitely different, which, which I like, I like the challenge of, of each day and, um, just, just how different it can be. And you got to really tackle each day, uh, independently of, of the other ones. Well, you must be really ramping up now for the midterms. Is this like a you're going to be working a lot more. Oh, uh, tremendous. <laughs> For how many days? Okay, yeah. you know how many days, right? How many days? Yeah, it's like like you have this. 53, I think, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, that's going to happen fast. Yep, absolutely. No, midterms Midterms are essential, and, you know, it's, it's, it's really sad to say here, Sue, in Indiana, but um, we were the first state post the Dobbs decision to pass a um, – a statewide, you know, near total abortion ban. So some states had trigger laws where they went into effect immediately. Um, Indiana, our legislators, uh, Republicans, had a special session to to pass um, this this piece of legislation, and it went into effect just yesterday, so September fifteenth. Um, so really uh, unfortunate news, uh, just horrible. Um, but people are fired up. Um, people are, yeah, I was wondering if that's going to help yeah, with the turnout. No, it's helped with registrations. I think it's helped with enthusiasm. I think it will help with turnout. I think people are very, very upset. I think women particularly are upset. Um, and they're going to make their voices heard on November 8th. Yeah. Yeah. I see something like that. You just probably feel like I don't recognize my state. Right. It's like, yeah, this, this isn't us. No, it's, it's, right? it's, it's, it's horrible. And they, you know, they really went against the will of the people. Uh, they waited for a while to see um, what they were going to do. They wanted to poll. They wanted to do research. They wanted to talk to their membership. You know, Republican uh, legislators did. And what they found out was the vast majority of Hoosiers wanted to keep uh, Indiana's um, abortion laws as is. Uh and even with that knowledge, even knowing that, they went ahead and passed a, a total abortion ban, which is just um, unbelievable um, and really, really sad. So I think more Hoosiers are getting to to know that, and, and we're certainly going to let them know on November 8th. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to help turn out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's hap- happening in other states. And I know... Um, yeah, Michigan has it actually on the ballot. So there. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, I, I think the Republicans should be very worried. Yeah. <laughs> in Michigan, especially, like, oh, it's on the ballot. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, so I have this question because I'm from Minnesota. It's a blue state. You know, the Democratic Party is like, yeah, you know, like I was just wondering, you know, how different it is. But you've already talked about how basically you're you're a purple state with a turnout problem. But but knowing basically there's a lot of red in Indiana, what's, do you feel like you're like a just always, always kind of fighting or do you feel um, 
I mean, you sound like the party sounds very strong. I'm not saying that it's not. It's just in Minnesota. It's like, oh, yeah, they've 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 for years and years been very robust, you know, uh, as a party. And um, so what's it like there from that perspective yeah. of, of being? Well, you know, I think uh, one of the things we've we've tried to do over the last year and a half, and I, I really, um, you know, pick this up over my career working for folks like Joe Donnelly and also Pete um, is is going everywhere and talking to everybody um, that when you're invited someplace, you should show up. Um, you know, when last June we launched our first tour and right now we're in our eighth tour um, around the state. So I joke with the team that we're like the Rolling Stones. We're always going to be on tour. <laughs> um, but we've done about 130 events 70 counties. We have 92 counties in Indiana. Um, so over a year and a half, we've done 130 events, um, about 70 counties. Uh, we're going everywhere and we're talking to everybody about issues. And so we go to places that are, you know, rural, suburban, urban. Uh, we talk about um, everything that's happening in our country. So we, we talk about the American Rescue Plan, uh, bipartisan infrastructure deal, the Inflation Reduction Act, um, the uh, the um, legislation on Capitol Hill, the PACT Act to help our veterans, um, what President Biden is doing to combat climate change, hold corporations accountable, Medicare, Social Security, child care, uh, inflation. I mean, we, we try to talk about everything when we go on the road. And what I think that's done is, is started to break the ice. I think that Unfortunately, for for a few cycles, places, you know, people in, in rural America and, you know, quote unquote, red areas, they've just been getting one side for so long. And it's been Fox News, conservative radio. Um, maybe that's all they're hearing, um, but they're not hearing the other side. And so what, what we've really tried to do is go everywhere. So there's no excuse and just show up, do the work, take questions, take the heat, talk to people. And I think that that's starting to, to change some hearts and minds. Um, some people are coming to our events who are middle of the road, even Republican, um, and, and you just have to do it. I think elections are about choices, and you have to offer people a choice. And so, um, so that's what we're doing. Yes, it's a you know we're rebuilding. Um, there's no question about that. Um, you know we've slipped as a party a little bit over the last few cycles, um, but there's. We just have to start kind of building our party up from the grassroots level. Oh, that sounds like that, that, uh, a winning uh, strategy. Yeah. And that's like what Pete did, just like you got it. To, if they got at least hear, hear your, uh, what you're saying, right? If they never hear your message. Exactly. Yeah. And it's something that Pete did um, a lot in Iowa. He went to um, lots and lots of communities in Iowa that were, uh, overlooked or they hadn't, you know, talked with the presidential candidate or, or, you know, a candidate for office in a while. And, and he, he, uh, you know, he went to town, had town halls, went to these towns, had town halls, talked to people. Uh, that's what you have to do. You know, people can, can see you, they can meet you, they can ask you questions. And that's what democracy is all about. That's what our politics is all about. Yeah. And we need more people. Um, doing that. Well, from your perspective, what generalizations can be made um, 
from you know what you you're seeing in Indiana and what you're working on that that would apply to any state and anyone. Um, like, how can we help get more Democrats elected? I think you've already given a huge piece of advice. Of advice is to go everywhere and don't assume that um, you know somebody doesn't want to hear your message. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you could say? You know, advice or um, any generalizations that would apply to anybody uh, listening, no matter what state? Yeah, for sure. There's a few things. I think the outside of our, our tours, the, the other two things that we work on every day, and I see this happening in other states, is um, one is year-round organizing. You know, this happens in, in lots of states. Wisconsin has a great year-round organizing program. Michigan does as well. Um, that hiring people who can work in certain regions of the state to work with county parties, work with campaigns, um, work with volunteers, activists, allies, all of that, um, that is really, really impactful. Um, they have also a great state where they have done this for years is Georgia. And so, you know, politics is really kind of all day, every day can be all consuming. It's not just Labor Day to Election Day when there's lots of political activity happening. And so, um, you know, you really need to do it all the time. And um, you can't just show up at a place and say, hey, vote for us, you know, like two weeks before the election, because they're going to say, hey, where have you been the last, you know, um, <laughs> you know, 600, 700 days, right? Um, and so year-round organizing, I think, is really powerful because you're having conversations with voters all the time. The other thing that we're doing in Indiana that, um, you know, potentially can help other states is we started a war room. Um, that sounds a little intense, but because we have supermajority Republican leadership in the state house, we uh, we built a war room. We're doing um, some cool, innovative things online to hold Republicans accountable and call out their records and call out extremism. I think you're starting to see Democrats do this across the country as well. President Biden included, um, calling out the kind of ultra MAGA Republicans and and um, how dangerous they are for for our country. So. Um, you know, looking at some of these elected office holders' records, looking at certain candidates' records, and informing the public. That's all it is, is saying, hey, did you know that this state rep or state senator or this candidate for office, you know, believes this or said this or is part of this group? Um, people need to know that. And so shining a light on that, um, um, you know, when the media is slow to do it or the media is not doing it, I think is really important. So conversations with people all the time and holding Republicans accountable, I think is a, is a strong recipe for the future. Because most voters are moderate mm -hmm. and, and the extreme um, views, uh, the extreme positions, yeah. they, they actually don't feel comfortable with, but like you said, if they don't feel like they have a choice, yeah. that's what, oh, wow. Those, those are really important points that you made. It's, this has been so much, so important is our conversation. A lot of things I've learned a lot, and I'm, I'm sure uh, my listeners are yeah. going to really enjoy this. But you know, I know this is an extremely busy time for you right now, getting ramped up for those midterms and traveling all over the place. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to let you get on with your day. But first, we have to have the, you know, what, what's in your future? Uh, since I made my notes here, I, I was, I read that you have been appointed to the DNC Executive Committee. So congratulations on that. But could you please talk about what that means? 
Yeah. Well, th- well, thank you so much, Sue. It uh, it happened actually less than a week ago. So last Saturday, um, I was appointed by um, Jamie Harrison, the DNC chair, to be on the executive committee of the DNC. Definitely an honor. Um, definitely uh, a surprise. Very humbled. Um, and so I'll be part of the the leadership committee for the for the whole national party, um, which is which is really really um, humbling. So. Um, not sure what it all entails quite yet. <laughs> I think I'll learn some of that over the next few, over the next few weeks, um, and, and get into a good rhythm with some more meetings and things like that. But, uh, definitely excited to, to talk about, um, my experience and if I can help our party, um, across the country, I think, um, advocating for states like my home state, I think is really important because, I think that Democrats need to compete everywhere. And um, one of the things that's been great about Jamie Harrison's leadership is um, that we do have a 50 plus, um, you know, 50 state strategy uh, where we're going everywhere. Um, We're investing in more places. uh, We're building up our party in more places. And I'm really excited to be, to be a part of that. Well, I'm happy you're part of it. I feel like uh, good, definitely uh, they will, a benefit from your contribution. Well, you. So it's really exciting. But you know, you're not on social media, so I don't think I'm going to be hearing, uh, um, you know, what's happening step by step. But uh, so I suppose it's smart that you're not on social media. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, so no, no Twitter account, yeah. or at least, you know, maybe you have a secret one that nobody knows about. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Oh, well. No, you're entitled to your personal life. Yep. Exactly. Yes. So. But uh, so people still can find out what's happening with the Indiana Democrats and the DNC uh, through more traditional ways. Absolutely. Yep, for sure. Uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the website, um, Indiana Democrats, the DNC, any other way that people should be getting information? Yeah. So so IDP is uh, indems.org is our website. So you can you can check that out and see. Um, more about our party, our candidates, our great candidates for statewide office. We have, uh, we actually made history in June. So we have three uh, women running for our statewide offices for the first time in our party's history, which is fantastic. Um, But yeah, indems.org is the website that people can check out. Mm -hmm. Great. And we will uh, find out what's happening. We will keep in touch. And there, um, I, I learned about your executive committee appointment through Twitter, oh, through Jamie Harrison. See, so other people, other people are, you know, spreading the word on you. Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, what, okay. So I want to, I always have to ask my guests what, what's next for you in the future. I guess we have to go further out in the future, but you've already had a few dream jobs that you have right now and working for Pete. I said, from my perspective, I don't know. So what's, what's up for you in your future? What are some things that you would really love to do? How about a book? Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, Liz Smith. Oh, come on. You're I not going to let her be the only one. Liz some... has, has her book, which is great. Any, um, any given Tuesday, which is a great read. Um, obviously Pete's, uh, he's had a couple books now. So we'll see. That could be in the cards. Um, you know, that could be in the cards in the future. I do think that, uh, you know, I'm enjoying my work right now. Definitely have my, uh, my hands full with, with the party work um, and some other projects. But, 
you know, I don't know. I, I, I think I'd be open to um, teaching and, and writing in the future um, about politics and, and other things. Um, if I had any opportunities like that, I'd, I'd definitely be interested in it. But definitely got my hands full right now uh, with the party um, and the work that we're doing here in Indiana. And so how long is the term of of the the chair? It is four years. So I was elected last March and um, so that's 21. So it'd be up in 25. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So you do have your hands yep. full for, for a while. <laughs> okay. Indeed, indeed. Well, best wishes with all that you're doing for the party. I'm going to be um, looking at those results Thank you. and thinking of you and hoping that, you know, it's a, it's a fun, fun party on election night yeah. and the next day. Well, thank you so <laughs> much, Sue. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for talking to me today, Mike. I really appreciate your taking the time and I learned a lot. Yeah. So best wishes for many midterm successes as possible in Indiana. And now that you're working at the national level too, we're, we're, we know that you'll be uh, involved in, in those successes as well. Yeah. So, and I hope you'll stay in touch with team Pete somehow. Absolutely. No, I will. I will for sure. It's been great to be with you, Sue and, uh, and team Pete and we'll stay in touch. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Twitter travels for Pete next steps edition. Now everybody get to work. 